welcome to another episode of Good Things Podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk with several other independent grocery owners around the state of Texas and explore some of their highs, some of their lows, some of their challenges and exciting things that they've dealt with in the past month or so. We're really excited to welcome Steph Steeles with Tiny Grocer. She's got a location, a small grocery store in South Cong- on South Congress in Austin, Texas. She's about to open up a new store in Hyde Park. This is the first time that she's been on our call, and with her experience, 25 years at Whole Foods, she's got more experience in this world of grocery than all of us combined. Anyways, here's the call. It's completely unscripted. This is just a raw conversation with me and several other independent groceries around Texas. On this call, you're going to learn a lot about some of the challenges that we've had and some of the things we're really excited about and uh, just inside information on the world of being an independent grocer. Okay. All right. We lost Jennifer, but maybe she'll be back. Um, But we've got Brooke here and Maddie and Steph. Welcome, Steph. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, Last time, were you able to listen to the call that we had uh, last month? No. Okay. No worries. Um, Last month, we spent some time um, just getting to know one another, um, introducing each other, telling each other where we're all located. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. (laughs) And um, we've got people um, that are indie grocers and tiny, you know, less than 2,000 square feet all over Texas, um, from Paris, Texas, to, um, you know, San Marcos, Maddie's in San Marcos, uh, to Marathon, Texas, and then having um, Steph on here as well. She's in, you got, you got one location, you're about to open up another location, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we have. We have a little shop on South Congress here in Austin called Tiny Grocer. That's about 1,800 square feet. Um, and then we are deep in construction, actually getting ready to qu- pretty quickly this summer open the second location, which is about, it's kind of maybe a tiny bit bigger in the grocery side, but the big difference is we've added a restaurant. Okay, so cool. We a kitchen and seating and outdoor patio seating that makes it a little bit bigger. Um, but yeah, that's, that's getting close. That is so exciting. Steph is, is your second location in Hyde park, um, the old, uh, post office. Is that what I heard? It is. Yeah. So we don't take the whole thing, but we kind of anchor the space on the corner. Um, if you know that post office, it's kind of where the trucks backed up to a loading dock. So that loading dock has been enclosed and that becomes the interior seating and then where the trucks pulled in is all patio seating. And um, there's a few other businesses going in. There's a, a husband and wife doing an independent bookstore called First oh, wow. Light Books. Yeah, that I think is incredible. And then I think a pizza place called All Day Pizza might go in next to us as well. That's incredible. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and then the, the food we're doing is uh, French comfort food. So we're doing like dinner service from five to 10 and brunch on the weekends. And so we named, we subnamed the restaurant Bureau de Poste, which just means post office in French. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that vision so much. I'd love to hear more about 
Um, what made you start your own grocery after being in uh, the world of Whole Foods for so long? Yeah, I was at Whole Foods for 24 years and I started as a kid making sandwiches in the deli and um, just kind of, you know, was supporting myself and felt like I wasn't afraid of responsibility and always wanted a raise. So I just kind of <laughs> kept going and that company offered a ton of opportunity. Um, it was also very gay friendly, like there were domestic partner benefits and things like that way before anybody else was doing it. And um, yeah, there was something really, I, it's hard. I can't talk bad about Whole Foods. Like they raised me and there was a lot about leadership that they taught, just things that really resonated with me. Um, I will say that I'm an optimist and I, an idealist. So mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people that I know felt like it was changing a long time before I finally felt like it was changing. I would say my spidey senses were tingling, that something was amiss. It wasn't quite feeling like what I would say is us. Um, I found myself in a meeting where we were talking about market share versus Kroger and Walmart. And I was just like, this is not who we've been. I, you know, when I, not to talk too much, but when I started, it felt like I was part of a food movement, you know, right. like, like yeah. we were changing the landscape of what's offered to have healthy food available and organic food available. And, you know, I think when I started, there was like 50 stores. And when I left, there was 500. So, you know, we built this company that was really incredible. And, and I think that we accomplished what we set out to accomplish, like organics are now in every single chain. You know, there was a lot that was done that I'm very proud of. And, um, but yeah, something felt amiss. And uh, I went back to school while still keeping my job. And, and then finally, it was like the biggest leap of faith ever was I, I decided to leave which is hard to do with a big paycheck and benefits and 24 years of building a career. And, um, and then right after I left, Amazon bought it. And I, I felt like it was good timing because I just personally could not see myself using my effort to make Bezos more money as right. an individual. So, so I ended up getting picked up by a hotel company as a director of operations and did that for a little bit, but I think really what that secured in me is that I'm a grocer. Like it was super fascinating to see this other interest, interesting business and to learn it at a high level and to see how their numbers work and all that kind of thing. But I've spent a lifetime learning something that it would be a shame not to put it to use. And then I also feel like over the years, the direction that Whole Foods has kind of turned has left this opportunity for me to do what I was passionate about. Basically, I'm recreating my favorite job I ever had, which was in my 20s, I was a grocery buyer for a Whole Foods in San Rafael, California. And so it was an affluent community that um, you could have nicer items and you didn't have a regional buyer or a global buyer back then. You bought for your one store. And so you would go to food shows and you would go to farmer's markets and you would meet people and you would love their product and you would build a relationship and you would bring it in and you saw both parties do well because of the relationship. And I think that's really where my heart is, is I think that there's so many local producers like Austin, I'll say Texas, but Austin too is a hotbed of amazing people making amazing products. Like the CPG community is really strong and vibrant. And so these people that are just making these items, you can't get into a Whole Foods or 
what have you, unless you can serve multiple stores like the, and I've seen companies then even companies that are kind of doing well, and then they get in and they ramp up production. And then if Whole Foods or Central Market or somebody stops carrying you, you're kind of stuck too. And so I just, I just really want to be the retailer for the local producer that makes amazing stuff. Yes, absolutely. I think on our, on our last call, that's really, I mean, that's why we all do what we do. And are, you know, a lot of us are doing these in rural towns. And I think it's so cool that you're doing it in the middle of the city. And I mean, we all get so frustrated with, um, I get frustrated going into a supermarket of any kind and not seeing any employees, not having any excitement, instead having anxiety with self-checkout and like just the long lines and it just being like a clusterfuck of people. Um, and what I find the joy in food is connecting with people about food and connecting with my community surrounding the food. And um, and that was a sentiment that everybody uh, expressed and it's, it's why we do what we do um, in this crazy thing. Y'all opened in... 2020 or 2019? So I bought, I bought a grocery. It was called farm to market. And there was a yes. woman named Peg who ran it for 15 years that I knew. And we'd been talking about it for a while. And I ended up buying it in December of 2020. And I opened it in March of 2021, right in the middle of the pandemic. It was really, it was intense. It was one of those moments where it's like, you put out into the universe, what you want yes. and then it gives it to you, but it gives it to you at a really weird time. And you have to be like, this is what you want. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And we did it. And I'm, I'm really proud of us for doing it and that it is, you know, sustaining itself and, and doing okay. And, you know, so, but Hyde Park really feels like, I think this is probably the model for me going forward is I like the restaurant with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, a, we have a deli and we have a little coffee bar that does really well for us at the first one. But I think what I'm what I realized I was missing in the first one was really good parking and really good seating. Yeah. Like that I miss, I want to, I want to make community spaces. And so right. where people can meet each other and hang out. And, and so Hyde Park is really allowing me to, to be able to create that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, we've been in our location in Lockhart. Uh, we just revamped the backyard and um, trying to do the same thing where I create um, you know, I've got several beer garden style tables out there and I really want to create a, you know, zone for people and it's there. So now it's just like a matter of like getting people to come hang out there. Sam just joined the call and he's in Marathon, Texas, and he's got a backyard space as well. And they do a weekly burger night. <clears throat> that seems to be, um, really great. Um, Steph, you've got probably more experience in this industry than any of us or all of us combined. Um, so <clears throat> I'd love to, I have a few more questions that I wrote down. Um, I have a lot of questions actually for you. I'd love to like get you just on a like one-on-one -on -one call at some point. But one of the things that I wanted to chat about on this uh, call in particular was about um, the processes of ordering. And um, I, you know, I, I'm new to this. We started ours as a... Um, you know, as a solution for surviving COVID in 2020. And um, we've just kind of gone on this journey and made it happen. Uh, and one of the biggest struggles for me has been trying to figure out how to manage cash flow, how, like how to bring in, like, I can't say stocks the way, and I've been into tiny grocery and it just feels like y'all are always like so well stocked on things. And I'm just wondering, like, if you could give us any insight on 
maintaining inventory and, um, you know, any insights on balancing cash flow. Yeah, I'll say that this is maybe something that I, I'm not the best to speak on. I don't know that we've done it as well as we ought to be doing it. Like, <clears throat> I've recently changed bookkeepers and we're kind of, I'm talking a little bit more about making a budget, you know, because I do come from a background where if you're out, you order it. If you're out, you order it, you know, and I really believe in this kind of, you know, kind of 80, 20 rule that you make like 80% of your money off of 20% of your products. Right. Right. And so it's identifying what are those really good sellers and never being out of those, right. The things that you're flying through, making sure you're always in stock so that you're grabbing those sales. But we do have some sections of the store, like there's a body care section with some nicer body care items that don't fly off the shelf. Like my concept was really that I wanted to create everything you could get in a major supermarket in a very small space. And I'm a, I'm a nerd and I'm a grocery nerd, right? So I made these lists for years of the products that I would want to carry. And I have not made buying for this store easy. It's really challenging. There's so many direct orders. There's so many different places we're ordering from. Um, so, but it accomplishes what I wanted to accomplish, which is this kind of, you know, I kind of hate the word curated, but I kind of need to embrace it a little bit because it keeps getting said, but there's this curated experience of like what I think are the best products, right? So it starts local and then I build around local with just, you know, if I'm going to carry a blue cheese, I'm going to carry Point Reyes blue cheese because I think it's the best, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing throughout the store. But I think that there was a moment where I actually got myself into a scary situation cash flow wise, you know, so I'm a little more hesitant to just stock up, you know, like those items that do not fly, I will take my time on, on reordering when it's a right time to reorder and make sure that we're staying in business on the things we need to stay in business on. Do you handle all of the ordering at your shop or have you started um, relinquishing some of that to other employees? Yeah, I've started relinquishing. Hyde Park has just, it's ramping up and it has ramped up. And so it's been this process of, um, you know, I, I actually let my general manager go um, and hiring a new general manager and getting him up to speed. And then this young man who's been doing a lot of the buying um, is going to be going over to Hyde Park. So we've just hired his replacement and are trying to get her up to speed. Um, so yes, I am starting to relinquish some control, which is good and bad, which is hard and necessary. So y'all don't use Square Up. Y'all use, or do you? Do you use Clover or? So we just changed, right? We used Clover from the beginning and it's kind of because I inherited it when I bought the business, but I thought it did really fine for us too. Like I liked it. It had enough capability of, um, cause we do have a deli, we make sandwiches and salads. And, and so it would like kick a ticket to the kitchen, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it was, it was enough operationally for us, um, for a long time, for two years. And then really with the with Hyde Park coming on and it having a true restaurant involved in it, there was some capability I wanted from Toast. Um, and Toast just recently, like we're probably in the beta phase of this, but they have a retail side now. And so I would say we're probably helping to test this and get it to be something 
but there were several things that we do like um like on we we also have a website um so we need these things to all integrate right like i'm actually hoping the website we want to actually this year maybe even launch shipping nationwide and have that be something of its own but all of these things need to integrate and so uh it's it's interesting like we had something called shop venturi that integrated with clover that that kind of shopify and shop venturi and clover all spoke and so it kept track of your counts that if you sold something on the website it took it out of count you right. know and we're mm -hmm. still working through that with toast at the moment we think they're almost there um so so yeah, I mean, we we could with shop inventory use our phones. We could all use our phones to do inventory. Oh so, wow, that's pretty big. It it was amazing. Like you could have everybody out on the floor counting, and it takes a long time to count a little store with few people, you know. So it's like days of counting, and I'm the kind of we count once a month. Like I am that person, you know. So so it was important that theirs did that and it does and we also buy things from such small vendors that they don't have upcs and with clover we had a little printer where we could actually assign it a upc and print the sticker and sticker things as they came in so that then when they come to the register they're scanning and they had that capability so there was they're definitely working on being a player in this industry and i think they're we're probably one of 500 clients right now for them so. Did you not look into Square Up? Because it's got the things that you're mentioning, except for, I mean, I could do inventory on my iPad easy on, on the Square Up, but um, I haven't tried on my phone at all. Um, but a lot of like, it, it creates barcodes, like it can send things back to the kitchen and like do all of those things and integrate to a website. So I was wondering if you looked into Square at all. I didn't really, so the restaurant, you know, we're trying to make use of technology without losing service, right? I think I agree with you totally that one of the other values I was trying to bring, you know, I had the stint in the hotel business and I had a stint in, in the restaurant business um, where I project directed and redid a beloved bakery into a bakery cafe here in Austin called Swedish Hill. And so, so those two things, um, I think with what we want to do with the restaurant side, I don't toast. So it's like, it's like table management and, um, uh, QR codes, you know, like, I think we're going to use QR codes with added service so that people don't just feel like they're on their own, but because it is a grocery store and a restaurant, it's like, you know, we're serving we're going to be serving this incredible food. Like it is a restaurant restaurant. Um, the chef who is signed on is absolutely amazing. And so how do you do this kind of low, low touch service model without people feeling like they're not getting service? Like, you know, but how do you use technology to make you more efficient? Like it's not the kind of model where we can just run it like a restaurant. Can we talk about margins? That was another thing we, we had on the call last time and how everyone's margins seem to be all over the place. And we actually talked about you just a second um, last last call because um, we were talking about Olipop and I was, you know, just expressing that's like it's it's um, dealing with, you know, UNFI and Kay is is obnoxious a lot of times and trying to buy direct has um, been a lot easier. And so, you know, I saw that 
in some picture, I think I saw that you guys are charging like, you know, close to $4 for Olipop, for example. And I'm wondering like your margins, are they, you know, do you have any specific like categories and specific markups or is it kind of all over the place? How do you do your research for figuring out how to price things? Yeah, I'm not sure if Olipops are $4. I'd have to look, but yeah, you know, like this is, this is from my, this is probably from a million years ago, really, this, the, the knowledge of how we used to do it. Um, I'm sure it's even changed at the big box stores, but back in the day when I was buying a product, pricing it, cutting into the shelf, like my kind of rule is that a grocery item, I'm probably not going less than 40 margin. Um, and the truth of the matter is I'm probably looking to get a 42, 43 blended margin throughout the whole place, right? So housewares and body care is pretty typically a 50 margin, um, but there are things like milk and eggs and meat that's probably closer to a 30, 33, 35, something like that margin. Just to just to not be wildly overpriced from what's out there, but even that, I'll tell you right now that like Whole Foods sells milk for uh, two cents less than my cost. Yeah, Classic. you know what I mean. <laughs> and I don't think this is the unfortunate truth of the matter. Oh, and I can recommend a book to all of you that I'm obsessed with. It's called The Secret Life of Groceries. Right, yeah. but it's really about. It's really about all the people and all the pinch, everyone getting pinched along the way from the farmer to the truck driver to the worker, you know, all of these places. I don't think the general public understands that a small grocery doesn't get it at the same price that somebody else does. And so we're often being called expensive. I will say in the drink category, I'm expensive on purpose. Mm -hmm. We do, because of where we are, because we're on South Congress and it's a tourist destination, that's a real double-edged sword for us. Like our bread and butter is the neighborhoods around us, but tourists aren't really grocery shopping. You know what I mean? Like they might come in and buy something from Austin, a local item as a gift or something. Um, but so on the weekends, it's a drink, a drink, a drink, a drink, a drink, you know? So we did bump those up a little higher just because that's so much of what we're doing and we do have a bit of a captive audience there so I'll have to check the Olipop price that sounds high but uh, <laughs> like I know if we were selling something for 249 we just bumped it to 299 like yeah. nobody was nobody was going to notice or care that much and no yeah I'm right there with that our top selling category is our in-house prepared foods and then number two is beverages like canned beverages in, in particular or um, you know canned or glass beverages and then the our coffee program is really helping. Um, but we we have the same kind of thing, like a blended margin, trying to go with um, something close to that. And um, I mean, it's it's been it's crazy right now because every time I go to reorder, things are more expensive. And so you know our buying power is just um, shrinking. It feels like, and that's why I've started searching for different avenues in which to source the products and we're working with a lot of um into like just going direct to the brands like simple mills and siete we talked about last um call but yeah um i'll say that direct pricing is going to be better no matter what yeah. right because it's all these people putting their little bit on top um but the thing that's been creeping up on us is shipping yeah 
like yeah. shipping has gone through the roof and there's no way you can just eat that, right? Like I've got to incorporate that into the cost on some level and on some products, it's making me say, that's too much to charge for that. And do I need to carry it anymore? You know? Exactly. Yeah, we're in the same boat. Steph, have you learned anything with dealing with produce? That was one thing I was going to chat about today in general was just like handling produce. Um, any secrets to, you know, dealing with certain things um, that would be helpful for everybody. And if anyone has any secrets that they've learned, I think this is a great opportunity to share it. Um, produce has been a tricky one. Like produce is another one that's like close to my heart. I think that like when I, when I think about the other small grocers in the area, I think one of the big differences is they don't do produce. They don't do perishables. Like they're afraid of things that spoil. And I think that it's really in tight buying practices that you can do these things. Um, but produce has been tricky for us. Like, uh, I don't think it gets shopped as much as I would like it to get shot. It's not, it's not turning over in the, in the manner I hope it would like, it's going to get bigger at Hyde park. And I think that there's an opportunity to just make it someplace, a staple for people to grab that kind of stuff. Um, we are talking right now, produce has been hard. I also think like, so originally I'm from California and it is the land of plenty with produce. Mm -hmm. It is the best produce in the world. You know, it's incredible. And so to good produce is tough. Um, we, I don't know if you're familiar with something called farmhouse delivery. Yeah. Um, I've talked with Stephanie before, um, with farmhouse delivery and she mentioned you actually on our call and, um, talked about, you know, exploring some different ways to have some buying power that she's already developed and wanted to, you know, share the love type deal, but yeah. Exactly. Like, so we're talking right now about, she has the space, she has the warehouse, she has the big refrigerators and she's buying in produce, but it would help her with cost and everything if she was buying more of it. And so we're actually talking about buying from her wholesale, um, you know, so that we can both have frog hollow peaches or, you know, stone fruit from these companies that we all love that we're not able to get right now. So we're kind of in those talks right now. It, we have definitely shopped around. We've done everything from Hardee's to, you know, it's just Segovia, Mr. Greens, like we've done all of these different companies and we have kind of gotten by. Um, we did talk someone into bringing in an organic packaged. So it's like packages of, uh, it's Josie's organics and it's like broccoli crowns cut, cauliflower cut, green beans cut, um, you know, some salad mixes kind of stuff um, that you see in other stores. And, and I'm really happy about that. Um, Anyways, I think there's room for this to be better. And I think I'm hoping that this relationship with Stephanie and, and Farmhouse, I really love her. She's great. Um, yeah, we've been she's such a team out. player. She's amazing. She's amazing. We've been trying to figure out, like we've known our, our companies should play together. We've just been trying to figure out how. Um, yeah. I think they're also going to be making some pre-made foods that we're going to buy from them and just sell more yeah. at like a retail margin since, since we're buying it than an in-house margin. and and help kind of help them and help us have more offerings. And so, yeah, I think it's like, who's like-minded, who can we learn from, who can we play with to help everybody, you know? 
Right. Cause yeah, I follow, I mean, lots of small little groceries and some in California and I'm always just shocked at how much variety and small quantities of produce that they've got. That's all locally grown in their area. And I just, I feel like there's a lot of back and forth between Texas and California in general right now. And so like, I feel like we're sharing people, like people from California are moving to Austin area and Texas. And I would love to share more food with directly from California. And Stephanie with Farmhouse does have that connection, but she's not going through enough of her, that organic produce from California to justify just yet. So it's like, I would love to figure out a way to get it. It's just one of those things where we don't have any type of delivery mechanism. Um, but trying to figure, I mean, I love, I think that that's a, that's a direction that we need to explore. Um, because maybe if we all work together, we could figure out some type of delivery situation for everybody. Yeah. And I already know that, um, it's probably easier in Austin than it is in anywhere a bit more rural, you know, like, or a bit further out just because there's enough, it's a big enough city. Um, yeah. we did Segovia is a local, um, produce place that we started doing a lot with them mostly because they're a small family run business, but you could get smaller quantities too. And then I will say, even in the, the idea of the first store, um, the, the guy that I hired as my chef, we knew each other from years past. He was my produce buyer. And I always thought those two jobs need to go together. Yeah. That who's buying produce is the chef. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, those items in the case that maybe aren't pristine enough right. that you want them out there for the customer are perfect to cook right then. Absolutely. And so making sure that there's out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that we all, anyone who does like prepared in-house prepared foods, like that's something that has become very important and, um, and integrated into the whole systems. If you're going to sell produce, then you need to have a way to utilize tomatoes that don't look beautiful anymore, or, you know, zucchini that's starting to shrivel and stuff. Um, and our kitchen is starting to really pump out some stuff. And I'm really proud of them. Um, but yeah, Sam was saying he's got no access to any produce in the desert. I mean, he's just stranded out there. Um, yeah. Sam is also- And Sam, I love Griffin. <laughs> I love that town. I need to come see your little grocery because I love it out there. I was the hotel group I worked for. I was traveling to Marfa back and forth all the time. I actually was on the board of Marfa Public Radio for a while, but I just have mad really? love for the area that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Come, come see us. Um, not this week because all <laughs> my shit is broken right now. <laughs> like, like we're having HVAC problems. Uh, deli case went out walk-in went out one of my big big merchandising freezers is acting weird so i'm like what did i do it's the full moon energy we had a lot of issues too we had two shops out of three have plumbing issues and then it's just been one thing right after another it's that full moon energy chalk it up to the moon <laughs> yeah getting a new getting a brand new walk-in equipment uh this this friday so Oh my gosh, that's tomorrow. <laughs> Jeff, do y'all have a walk-in uh, tiny yeah. grocer? Yeah, we do. We do have a walk-in. It's like a six-door. It's almost like a merchandiser walk-in. So it's got six doors on it for customers to shop. You can stock it from the back. 
And that's how I designed Hyde Park as well, because I think it just really, you know, um, mitigates the human error of stalking inappropriately, which we have had problems with spoilage <laughs> of people just not putting things, not FIFOing, you know, like we're constantly teaching it. Yeah, same setup. I did, we did set up this thing called Too Good to Go too. I don't know if that exists other places, but it is a, um, it's a way that, you know, I personally believe that our, the way we date things in this country is crazy. Um, and those foods are not spoiled or bad. Um, some of them might be, I, I, I still live by the smell test probably because I grew up in this industry, but, um, so too good to go is this weird app where you can put these grab bags for sale and you get five bucks for them, but they're getting about $15 worth of product. And we just put a disclaimer on it that these might be slightly out of date. And at least this food is going to people who are eating it and using it and not in the trash, you know? Yeah. I was wondering about how you, you deal with waste. I mean, we, we slice things like our prepared foods, like at a certain date, we slice it down to half off. And in an attempt to move it or reutilize it in the kitchen, like if we have hummus that's like on its like it just went out in a day, then we'll slice that on a sandwich because it's not bad, but it just needs to be eaten soon, you know, um, and we yeah. sell through our sandwiches. So we're always dealing with waste. And I was wondering um, in that urban environment, because you're unique where we're all in rural or smaller towns, um, do you all have a compost person that you work with or... We do some composting. The city does composting. Oh yeah. Um, and then really it's, it's finding the right employee who loves this and mm -hmm. who will kind of walk and track. And we keep a list of what's going out when we could do a better job of putting things on sale. I think I have a new person who's going to be starting with us that this could be something that they do where we then, uh, I mean, that's what's, you know, at least if you can grab your cost back, you know, sure. probably at least getting out unscathed. It's really, you know, and, and uh, Samuel talking about the walk-in going out, we had a rough year last year because we, several weather events knocked out power to the store um, where these things were down for long enough that this stuff is gone. This stuff is spoiled. It was at 70 degrees, you know, like you, you, we couldn't, we couldn't rescue it. And uh huge loss in product, you know, like where last year was not as good as the first year because of those events. And then, and then the cost to fix the equipment or replace the equipment on top of it is, was painful. Yeah. It's brutal. It's super brutal. Um, with that, one of the things that I was wanting to, that I had when I'd love to hear how you guys handle things is, um, managing like, like I'll go back around to it, managing cash flow in and specifically like, do y'all have like a savings account for like when shit hits the fan and something does break? Do you put your taxes into a savings account? Like, do y'all separate things or is it all just coming out of one main account and you just have to make sure that you have done a good job? I find it really challenging to, um, you know, to make sure that I have enough in for taxes, that I have enough in my bank account for payroll. And I feel like I'm writing hot checks all the time. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm new at this. So it's like, it's not something that is, is I'm realizing the cash flow is not my strong point. And I'm wondering if any of y'all have any tips that you have learned along the way, uh, that could help. I didn't get into this business to have a savings account 
And if I did have one when I started, I definitely don't anymore. <laughs> yeah. I I would love to say we have a savings account for just these things, but we do not. We haven't we have one account, we have an operating kind of budget, and I get nervous when that account is less than a certain amount of money. And I think that kind of keeps me honest that that if something were to happen, it's at least there. But um I also feel like with the things that happened, like when Samuel was talking about what's going on with him, I thought, oh God, that was us last year. You know, that at least that compressor is new on the walk-in this year. And um, that freezer that went down and we lost every bit of ice cream in the place, um, that's a brand new freezer. And that's kind of the joy of Hyde Park on some level is all that equipment's new, mm. right? Not like new equipment can't have problems. It certainly can, but at least it's under warranty and some other things like that. So. You know, I, I'm even thinking about should we see what some sort of refrigerator alarm system costs, you know, so that we're somehow being notified if there is a temperature issue, because part of what happened is there was an ice storm and this thing went out probably in the middle of the night. And by the time we got there, it had been warm for hours. You know what I mean? That if we just, uh, you know, we would jump up and go over there and try to rescue what we can. and. And on several occasions, we have caught it before it happened, before it all spoiled and moved it all into other cases. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of mitigate loss, right? Like how so, do loss? It's cool that you brought this up because when I ordered this new equipment for our walk-in, I also wanted the same kind of monitoring, um, you know, some kind of monitoring feature and, do any of you pay pay for a Webstaurant like Pro subscription? Have like the Webstaurant like Visa card? No, no, I don't. But I just got a notification that my Coolbot is offline. I was just about to say the same thing, but yeah, we use Coolbot um, for our two walk-ins that we have, and it will send us a text and an email anytime it gets below a certain temperature, and you set the range. Anytime it goes offline, the power goes out, anything like that, it notifies you. So it's nice that you can literally look for the last two days and see at any point during the day exactly what the temperature was. And that's called Coolbot. So, Coolbot. Cool, cool yeah, Coolbot is, cool is like the window unit firmware hijacking technology. Um, yeah, I think that there are like Bluetooth temperature um, notification systems that are fairly cheap. Coolbot is an entire system that takes an AC unit and has a computer attached to it that essentially makes it run at fridge temps. So is there I don't really know if Webstraw acquired this company, but they have this thing called Versa Hub now. And the app is super slick and their monitoring equipment is, is pretty slick. Um, and if you have a if you have a pro account with them, I I I pay for the pro account because um I have to get supplies FedExed in anyway, and it's a lot more cost effective. So apparently this is this is something they're adding to their benefits for their for the for, for those who have like the pro account, which is pretty interesting. So the monthly cost of some kind of cloud-based solution that you give you a text message or an email on um, your fridges. This looks pretty sweet. Called Versa oh, Hub. 
Versa Hub. Okay. And that's Webstrong? Yeah, apparently it's a Webstrong product now. Interesting. Okay, cool. I'm gonna look into that. Me too. My my first device just got delivered today, so I'm gonna go check it out and I'll uh, report back. Cool. Um, I had gotten something that was supposed to alert me, and then when I like it's something you know a Bluetooth thing um, or wireless thing that you like put into your refrigerator, and then it's supposed to alert you whenever it gets below but you had to be on the same Wi-Fi. Like when I got it in and got them installed, I realized you had to, like my phone would have to be on the same Wi-Fi connection. And so it just didn't like, it was like, cool. Well, that was a waste of money. Um, <laughs> that time I figured it out. Uh, so I have not found a good solution for that, but it's gotta be simple. Like it's not that like my, you know, simply safe uh, alarm system will let me know when the power goes out on just, and it's just so simple. I'm like, that should be something that exists. Maybe we just don't know about it yet. Well, I'll check these out for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, let's see. I would love to go around and just everyone, you know, share their their kinds of highs and lows. Um, Sam, it looks like we we figured out your lows for the month, <laughs> but also <laughs> highs. <laughs> But did anyone take what we, you don't know, talked about last um, call and put anything to use? Was anything helpful that you learned um, through our call last month and anything that you learned that would be applicable to share with the group um, for a high, high and low? I could say uh, high and low. Go ahead. Um, so one of the highs was, so we had an ice cream machine. We were doing soft serve ice cream and I was pretty committed to it. Like when we started out, it was non-dairy. Um, like I'm secretly trying to give people healthier food too. Um, but you know, this, I, we've been so dedicated to it and for two years really just have never gotten it to really take off. Like it's a rental because those machines are so hard to maintain that you almost want it to be a rental. So when something goes wrong, we have to come fix it but we weren't really paying for the machine. So we're kind of losing money on the ice cream program. So this new general manager, I, I'm always trying to get people to share ideas. And he ended up saying, well, what if we did froze? Oh and I God. thought, this, I know, I thought this was so interesting. So I went down this rabbit hole with my liquor lawyer and we did, when we set up the shop, we got not only a retail beer and wine license, but also an on-premise uh, beer and wine license in case we ever wanted to serve, you know, and so uh, apparently during COVID in 2020, they released the restriction on self Congress, like it is a part of Austin that you can walk with a drink. Mm -hmm. um, so we implemented Frosé and Rosé in a can with a koozie and a Modelo in a can with a koozie right out the window onto the street that I'm very excited about and hoping it will really kind of change that little window into being really active. Um, and then my low is probably that I just got word yesterday that Hyde Park is delayed. Uh, you know, these are just the things with construction, but delayed somewhat significantly into August uh, in a way that is a little disappointing. Um, that's a super big bummer about the delay. And I feel like that's just, uh, the state of the world we're in right now. <laughs> There's just exactly. so many things, um, with your froze recipe, 
I had looked into that for our coffee shop uh, maybe like uh, two years ago, and I couldn't find any recipes that didn't include liquor. Did you find one that include like that was just wine based? Yeah, it's it's just rosé wine based with simple syrup and lemon. And I could even um, hit up our guy who put it all together for us and see if I can't send it to you. I would love to learn more about that for the coffee shop in particular, because I think that would be super awesome. I've always wanted to do rosé and uh, but we don't I've always just seen recipes with liquor involved in them and we don't have a liquor license, just a beer and wine. So yeah, they're super cute. It's almost like a Capri Sun kind of pack. Yeah. With with a straw um that's just we throw our sticker on it so that if somebody's walking down the street, they'll be like, where'd you get that? You know. Oh, I wanted to ask you about your stickers. Are you guys, do you do like a Rolo printer or something that's a thermal printer for y'all's stickers? Or what what are y'all using for printing? No, we use a guy locally. In fact, I want to say he stopped his business even or sold his business, but he still makes our stickers out of mm-hmm. his home for us um, just because of the relationship he has with the guy who did all our branding. Um, so we're just, we're still buying stickers. Okay. We, we switched. I was, I was printing all of them like ourselves um, when we first started in-house prepared foods and then discovered thermal printing and it's changed the game. And then I recently discovered that I could create barcodes, um, which is, I'm hoping we're, we're implementing that soon. And um, I'm hoping that will help us keep better PARs and uh, just inventory management of how many of like how many chicken salads we're selling versus how many hummuses we're selling and that sort of thing by having the scan uh, barcode situation. Absolutely. Jennifer, tell me your highs and lows. Well, we were uh, kind of in vacation mode. So it, it feels like you know, we had staff on vacation. So I was just at the store all day and then we went on vacation. So and it feels like all of Paris is on vacation. So it's been <laughs> super slow, which is kind of nice, but also, you know, not great in other ways. So I don't know if everyone's been finding that they're slow in these months, but since, you know, we have, we have some tourists, but they're more day tourists They're They'll come in and buy a t-shirt or something, but they're not really, or maybe like a can of rosé they'll buy, but, but they're not really looking for groceries. So I'm, I'm trying to also find a way to move the produce because it's coming in from the farmers, you know, but there aren't a lot of people that are home and stocking their kitchens. It feels like right now. So that's always a struggle, but we can um, use it at the bakery. So that's like you were saying, you almost have to have a way to use the produce if you know, that's going to go bad or not. But so, yeah, it's just kind of been a real, I'm still getting back into the swing of things over here. So this has been interesting. I'm just taking notes over here. (laughs) A lot of notes. Perfect. Maddie, what about you? How was your month? Um, I needed to defer to Brooke on this a little bit um, because I spend so much of my time in San Antonio at the food hall location. Uh, but when I do pop in, I've been noticing that my staff's been doing a lot more grab and go food, Great. Um, which is something we've always wanted to achieve. But we are so caught up with all of our projects through the farmer's market and wholesale and um, just, you know, cutting meat for the case and making use of all of those products that it kind of gets put on the back burner, even though I know it's extremely lucrative. Um, But they've been doing a lot more of that. And even myself, I I walked in the other day, like as a customer needing to grab some things uh, to go on a little river trip. 
And I gravitated straight towards it. And I was like, this is exactly what it's like to be a customer. Like people just need things that are ready to go the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, my staff like taking interest in that and like getting excited about making a bunch of different things for people. Um, yeah, I definitely think the grab and go has really made a big difference. Um, and also we have one girl who she was on our staff for uh, a while right at the beginning and she left to do some school things and whatnot. But now that she's back, she's really helped us take control of staying on top of inventory and reorganizing the way they make sense. And she's the one that really like headed the grab and go and she's making tons of like salsas and house and stuff like that that's really been beneficial for weights and left there. Yeah, and she... I mean, our staff's just been so great lately. They've been like initiating meetings and wanting to bring up um, how we can improve things, which is incredible. You know, they're not just like there to work. They're mm-hmm. they're there because they care and they want to improve stuff. So that same girl that Brooke is talking about uh, is creating signage for all of our wine. And it just is so helpful. And it's another one of those things that's been put on the back burner because we're so busy meeting deadlines on all of our projects that we're not like properly marketing and creating signage for our food and our beverages. Um, that's been extremely helpful. Uh, definitely. I feel like that's a, a good high for us as far as low goes. I don't know. I mean, we're just slow in general. Um, we, people still kind of think we're closed. So I just purchased a bunch of signage and I'm hoping that's going to help us. Um, it does well, you know, we're, we're still steady, but um, we're not seeing the numbers that we did last year or the year before even. Uh. That's so hard. I don't know what it is about. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing the same thing in Martindale. It's just, it's crazy slow out there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's really, really strange. I'll say me too, honestly, in Austin, right? Like, yeah, just the numbers are, are down. First of all, I think that when it's this hot, this early, um, it's, it's a little tough. People aren't out roaming around as much, you know, they're really horse to barn kind of staying in the cool air. And so many people leave town in all of our towns, you know, to get out of the heat. Mm -hmm. But yeah, our numbers this summer are, are less than our weekday sales are pretty good. Our weekend is really suffering. Our weekend used to double our weekdays and it's just, Mm -hmm. I also think there's something going on with the economy. Mm. Uh, where people are just not spending as much as they were. And, you know, for me, we're, there's plenty of grocery stores around. So it's a special little stop to stop into the shop, you know. Um, but I think people are a little tight with their money right now. And I think people are leaving town and it's it's a little rough out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much is. What about you, Sam? What are your highs and lows of the last month? Um, well, there's been a number of lows. We've had a lot of fun though. I mean, we do, we do events as, as you know, um, we've had some great shows. Um, we're doing an event tomorrow night at, uh, we have a County park five miles south of town called Post Park. So we're doing our burger night out there and there's like country and Western dancing. Um, I have also been trying to figure out how to, I don't suppose any of you buy from a distributor called Affiliated Foods. They're based in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably be the only one in there 
Yeah, you've told us about him, and it sounds like such, you've told me like in detail about uh, how annoyingly complicated the ordering process is, and um, that's just not something I'm interested in. We used to have to call a guy on the phone and iterate the order over the phone. That was the only way to do it. Mm. Um, And sometimes you just wouldn't answer the phone. (laughs) um then you know he's like calling you back and he's like hey i'm ready and you're like i'm not because now i'm doing other things i have time allocated to do this anyway well we sent we sent we can send them spreadsheets csvs via email now and um when they when they deliver they uh, obviously i don't get an invoice via email because gosh that would be way too complicated um so i get a piece of paper and this is where most of our stuff comes from so this is a lot of times it'll have a hundred or more SKUs on there and i got tired of typing all that stuff into the system and so i uh wrote some really terrible code to like parse these pieces of paper and turn them into spreadsheets and then some browser automation to like go and push all that into our point of sale and it saved probably in the last two years it saved me five to ten hours a week um and now i've made more progress on that and i hired this guy i've got on Upwork and I ended up hiring this guy in Israel who's like a machine learning like computer vision object character recognition expert and I'm having him help me um, do work on some of the our other invoice formats so that I don't have to clicky typey um, anymore so um, yeah that's that's been kind of fun and has felt um like a win that's awesome um well we've had god i feel like the last month has been a whole year in uh in one month um we launched a backyard uh nursery plant nursery and the guys that we're working with did an incredible job like installing landscaping rocks and um they just installed two fans and misters back there uh, and now like our backyard is, is a special little haven, uh, in Lockhart. And I'm really excited to start launching that. Um, and I am about to leave like next week, we leave town for a month, which feels extremely scary. And I would say that's part of my low more than anything, because it's, um, brought on, um, everything has broken like this past week. So I feel like that's just, a. hopefully it's all breaking before we leave town. And that way we can actually be gone. Um, I still plan to like work while I'm away and had a great manager's meeting and got them all ready for things and then had a full team meeting between both shops and figured out some good um, processes and systems to put in place. So things are just smoother with me gone. Um, One of the things I took away from the last call that we had was everyone talking about how they were using either um, Discord or um, or WhatsApp to really communicate. And so I talked really strongly with my team about utilizing WhatsApp because we've got um, several different chats in there. 
um, for different, you know, managers chats and that sort of thing, just to keep people, uh, some good work life boundaries. Um, I just reiterated to my staff how important it is that everyone have their own time when they're off work. And that's why something like WhatsApp or Discord is really helpful because you can have that information there, but it doesn't have to ping you. Um, <clears throat> so thanks for uh, that for last month because it was really, really helpful. Um, I also have been trying really hard to manage cash flow better um, because we're going out of town and cash flow is just extremely tight on a regular basis anyways. So Square Up has these different savings, like automatic savings accounts, things um, that you can set up. Like before money hits your bank account, it goes to a, on the back end, a, a savings account. And so I'm trying to implement that um, with, you know, having our payroll set aside and I will let you know how it goes. Cause I don't know how well it's going at this point. I feel like I'm always borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> on stuff and trying to figure out who I can, you know, delay payment to. Um, that's been causing me a ton of anxiety, but um, those are my stress dreams is all related to, you know, making sure I have enough money to cover rent and payroll and taxes. Um, but other than that, you know, the, the shop has been pretty cool. Oh, there was one thing that we discovered, um, you know, packaging for our prepared foods in particular, I always feel really bad about using plastic. And so I've, I've tried looking into other solutions. Um, and we had just been getting plastic containers from, uh, like deli snap a lid containers from Cisco. And then there was one brand that Cisco had called bottle box and they only had one container from bottle box, but I looked at bottle box on, um, online and, they've got a ton of stuff. It's not that expensive. It's actually like, um, maybe a couple cents more per packaging from, um, from like what Cisco and Uline offer and even Amazon at this point. Uh, but each of their containers are like recycled plastic bottles. So like one container will be the equivalent of two recycled plastic bottles. And so I just got our first delivery of um, all of those containers for I've got eight ounce, 16 ounce, 24 ounce, and they're all square and they take the same lids. And then we got some yogurt parfait containers as well. And I'm super excited about um, transitioning away from Cisco for that and to a smaller company that's like, seems to be really doing some positive. Like I looked at how much water they're using, how much electricity it's using, their CTO matching program. And it seems like to be a very transparent, healthy, um, sustainable company. And all the packaging will now be like recycled, which feels really good. So yes, um, do look into that. If you're doing prepared foods, I'm really excited about the fact that that's um, something we just implemented. Is this it? The bottlebox.com? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the, it was free shipping or like, if you spend like over $500 or something like that, um, there's, you know, you have to pay when you purchase, I, there might've been after pay situation, but, um, but I just, you know, I, I just figured I'd go ahead and get my core and then I'd start adding, um, different things through that. Um, and another thing that we have seen some recent success with is, um, cheese plates, like charcuterie boards, building those for like groups that are coming in to stay for the weekend. And, um, we're starting to sell more and more of them, which is awesome because 
I already have the cheese in stock and all the things that we need for a cheese board. And my team can literally spend 30 minutes putting together a cheese board um, on the fly now. And so um, that's been something that's got a great margin on it and is, you know, 75 to a hundred dollars at least just easy sale. Um, so we've been mm -hmm. focusing a lot on building cheese boards and uh, for like tiny catering things like those weekends away are really great. So um wanted to pass along that encouragement. Um, those are all of the main things that I had kind of in my mind to focus on um, in this call. Was there anything else that you guys, you know, that, that you wanted to kind of bring to the group or any questions um, that y'all had or items to discuss or anything? I'll just say I'm real happy to be here. <laughs> I'm really, really happy that you're here. Um, I do. I'll, I'll email you after the call, but I would love to get on um, just a one on one call and go over all the different questions that I have for you um, and put it to um, on the podcast. I've had a couple of since I launched the podcast, I've had um, three uh, separate people reach out about, uh, either they've just started their grocery or they're looking into starting their grocery. And I'm excited to put more information out. Uh, uh Taylor was one of those folks from San Antonio. Um, no, one of, um, well, there's, it's kind of, there's one guy from San Antonio, um, uh, Mike Torres. Do you know him? I think I just met him the other day and, and put him in touch with you. Um, Mike's a good friend of mine, so I don't know if it was that guy, but, um, but he's it got, okay. He just opened up a little coffee shop and was like adding, wanting to add like a market aspect to his coffee shop. So, um, but no, there's a woman in Brenham that just launched a grocery store and then a woman, I want to say in Cedar park or something that reached out. And then there was someone else that I can't recall. Um, but yeah, it, I feel like, uh, the podcast is a really great way just to engage more people on the truth behind grocery stores and what we struggle with. I, the last episode that I had was a call with, um, with one of our makers that we've had for a long time in the shop. Um, and it's been it, it, pretty shocking, like to see like a lot of independent brands have just gone out of business completely because of how difficult and challenging this market is right now, especially and I am excited just to, um, some of my customers have listened to it as well. And I feel like I want to provide applicable information on that podcast that can not only help someone that wants to start an independent grocery store, but also people that are enjoy shopping at independent grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think it's a fascinating, I mean, if you like indie groceries, you like indie groceries and it's a, it's a fascinating thing to be into <laughs> and lots to learn. Um, and the the book that um, Steph had um, mentioned early, I've read that and it's really a good read. Um, the Secret Life of Groceries. I highly recommend uh, listening to that on audio version. Is how I did it, and um, a really good a really good read. Um, yeah, I feel like that's all that I've got today. I have a speaking of catering orders, a catering order to go deliver in the next hour, so <laughs> I gotta jump off. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, we'll do this again in August. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode of Good Things Podcast. We were excited to talk with Steph Steeles of Tiny Grocer and several other grocers weighed in. 
I feel like I took a lot away from this conversation and I hope that you did too. If nothing else, hopefully you learned something more about the woes and struggles and journey of the indie grocer because that's why we're here. In our next episode, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Matt of Westview Corner Grocery in Atlanta, Georgia. We spoke with him while I'm traveling with my family on an epic road trip all the way up to Pennsylvania, and I plan to interview more indie grocers along this journey, and I'll be sharing that with you. Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll see you next time on Good Things Podcast. Good Things Podcast.